Have you been back to Lakin recently? Let's see. I went back two weeks ago because I had my first free weekend in about two months, and I got to spend less than 24 hours in that town, and uh, I spent a good majority of it sleeping. Well, did you stop by the Casey's on your way into town or out of town? Uh, No, I did not on this trip. Oh, man. What's are you telling me you about that Casey's? Are, well, for one, Casey's is just awesome. Like, well, Casey's is awesome. I know that. Yeah, like we'll, you know, we love Allsup's as much as the next guy, but you cannot <laughs> beat Casey's Coffee or Casey's Pizza. No, no, absolutely. Oh yeah, I, that's what we lived off of. They had a Casey's up in Valentine this weekend. That's what we lived off of for lunch two days in a row. Oh, you lucky dog. <laughs> you said you just coming out of Valentine? Yeah, uh, I just got done spending three days up in Valentine, Nebraska. And for those of you that may not know where that's at, you can stand on the north edge of the town and throw a rock into South Dakota. And uh, it's up on the border up uh, kind of north central Nebraska. Um, in relation to Stillwater, it's a big old one-way nine-and-a-half-hour drive that was uh, a lot of fun to make late at night. But uh, I went up there and did the Nebraska State Rodeo Association finals Friday, Saturday, got done with it yesterday, and drove back home last night and uh, got to spend um, a little bit of time around some people that I've grown up rodeoing with, grown up, you know, my, my folks or my dad at least growed up rodeoing with some of them. And, and uh, then I've done some of those rodeos, the Nebraska State Rodeo Association, Kansas Pro Rodeo Association, that counts towards their year-end finals. And I got selected to do their finals for my third time this year. Right now would be a really good time to make a got-the-call joke, but we're not going to do it. <laughs> I know. I was thinking the exact same thing. I, I matter of fact, I posted something, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago about uh, I got the call and I put it in quotes and I just said, thanks to so-and-so for ruining this. I'll never be able to say it <laughs> confidently again. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm trying to remember who I was talking to the other day, but he's making a joke. He said, so... Moving the finals, do you think as soon as you pick up the phone this year, they say howdy? And I don't know why, but I just busted out laughing. I was like, that was the most stereotypically stupid thing you could think of, but I could actually see it happening. 
Howdy. Oh, I, I think this year with the finals being moved and whatnot, there are going to be so many cliche things that go on or at least get made fun of. I, I'm, they may not actually happen, but I could definitely see it being made fun of. Um, I think the only thing that we won't see the most of is everything is bigger in Texas just because the crowd size won't be, the purse might not be, and the the you know shenanigans and the, the all-around good times that may be had will uh, not be comparable to Vegas. So I think that's everybody's saving grace. You won't see uh, everything's bigger in Texas in that relate, relation mm-hmm. to the finals. But uh, I do think there's going to be some cliche – uh, wannabe cowboy stuff that is going to go down. Oh, yeah. I, the the funniest meme we've saw so far comparing the move from Vegas to Dallas, Fort Worth, DFW, whatever you want to call it, Arlington if you want to split hairs, was that the the typical feel of the finals and all the shenanigans and everything that takes place in Vegas versus moving to Texas going to be like putting a tie down on like. All the hurrah wants to be there, but it's just going to be kind of contained just a little bit. But yeah, I think you're right. There's, it's going to be interesting to say the least. Yeah, I I was not necessarily shocked uh, with it being in Texas. I wasn't sure. To be to be honest, with you, I I figured it would go to Texas of all places. Um, I I didn't know if it'd be Texas or. My my money was actually on Texas or South Dakota. Um, a lot of other people I talked to said it was probably going to be Texas or Oklahoma, but I, I had a feeling it was probably going to be one of the, the those two. With it going to Texas, that wasn't necessarily a, a huge shock, but it, it was kind of a surprise to me that Arlington uh, and Globe Life Park picked it up just because there's never been any rodeo events there. Granted, you know, just down the road a little ways, they have the American at AT&T, but I, I couldn't believe that they were thinking about doing it on a baseball field. I thought, wow, that's kind of unique for it being such a weird year. Why not make a weird setting? You know, uh, we were kind of discussing that around our place the other day, um, exactly what you just said. The move to Texas, that's not a shocker. That like literally no one is gonna be. Oh my gosh, they're moving to Texas! Like, come on. Yeah. But I'm like you. The the venue, and we don't know the the business, the politics, the whatever that actually led to the venue being picked. But totally agree with you. Like it was kind of, and it wasn't like total shock. It was just kind of a head scratcher. Like, uh-huh. I, I can kind of see it, but why didn't you go to Dickies? Or why didn't you go to Jerry's house? Like, mm-hmm. or even for that matter, uh, looking at other towns in Texas that host big pro rodeos or big events, mm-hmm. and not necessarily rodeo, with it being limited seating anyways, and not uh, you, you just even even if they are where they are, and they they made that decision they pulled the trigger and and everybody's making preparations now even though that they are there now it's not going to be like vegas you're not going to get the what happens in vegas stays in vegas type experience so why i I guess my my holdup was why try and and you know put it somewhere 
just because you think it'll be the closest thing to it. I mean, if it's just going to be different, make it different all the way around and, and go to a place mm-hmm. that maybe is more suited for rodeo or whatnot. And, and like you said, you know, you don't know the business or the political side behind it all. And, and I don't know enough of the decision-making process to be able to say one way or another that this is good or bad or what were they thinking or not. I just know that on a baseball field it's different and Arlington, Texas, it'll be, uh, it'll be a unique setting to have Mm -hmm. a rodeo in December, but why not? I guess there's nothing that could really be too shocking or surprising to be honest at this point. No, you're, you're absolutely right. There's, um, it would not be surprising if they came out round one and made an announcement that due to whatever tonight's purpose has been canceled and the the next few nights are also being canceled, uh, would not surprise yeah, I, anyone a bit. I, I know we, we kind of discussed some about you know, not being too political or whatever it is this year, just being as, as crazy and hectic as it is. It's, my my stance there for a while, and it's not trying to be – I wasn't trying to be a Debbie Downer on anything in my life or anyone else, but my stance that I took and my, my thought process was uh, I, for a while I kind of just said, okay, well, I'm, I'm not going to rodeo. I didn't make preparations or plans to really rodeo much this summer. And I just told myself that if I did get to, then it was a huge bonus, that it was a huge plus. I didn't really mm-hmm. plan on it because – um, there for a, a little bit, uh, I know other guys experienced it a lot worse than what I did. But for me personally, there were times where I was getting psyched up to go to a rodeo or looking forward to getting back on the road and, and this being my first event back or, or this being the second or third event back and being able to have something to be eager about. And then I'd get a phone call and say, hey, we're not having it. Hey, it's got postponed or, hey, this isn't going to go on this year. And that was almost more devastating than if I'd known a month in advance that the rodeo wasn't going to happen. That last minute stuff really was a mood killer. And it just really made things a little bit dreary there for a bit. But luckily, um, luckily I think people started to see the light and start, start to want things to get back to the way it used to be. And, um, Mm -hmm. I, I was able to get back on the road quite a bit in June and July, but man, it was, it was kind of sad there for a while. So like you said, even if they came out with that announcement in the first or second or third rounds or whatever, uh, at this point, everybody just probably shrugged their shoulders and saying, okay, well, yeah, off we go. Yep. Let's, let's head down to the track yard. <laughs> going to take a quick break here. If you want to, go grab your beer or go make sure you turn the water off to the stock tank and uh, we'll get back after it here in just a sec. Let's go back to your beginning and your roots and where it all got started, how it all got started. First off, I, I, I did never really want to be a rodeo announcer and i don't know if many people know that or not uh everybody that i've kind of said that to before laughs at me and and kind of asks if i'm kidding 
because I have taken to it so much and I've tried to do as much with it as I possibly can, but I never really did want to be an announcer, a music director, have anything to do with rodeo production. I grew up with a dad and a grandfather that were rodeo judges. And matter of fact, my dad still judges some rodeos today. And that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a judge. I knew deep down in my heart that that's where my uh, future lied with rodeo. I I've never really was a real wolfy contestant. I wasn't the type to just go out and win the gold buckle every time I swung a rope. I was, I did good enough to stay competitive and, and keep myself in the running for a couple of uh, awards here and there, but never really was much to go out and just blow everybody's minds and, and rock their socks off with my roping abilities. More often than not, it was kind of a, a head-scratching moment for people in the crowd wondering how I even got the steer caught, but <laughs> that's that's just where I was in, in, in my rodeo life, and I, and I knew it. And that was fine. I just knew that I was going to be a rodeo judge. But mm-hmm. one year, I'm trying to think of what year it even was, and I'm saying this as if it was decades ago. I'm just trying to pinpoint the exact one. It was the summer before my junior year of high school, I believe. Yeah, so probably 2014 or 2015 anyways. Uh, that year, um, our local stock contractor, the late Deke Jennings, he had an announcer lined up to do all of his rodeos, all the summer rodeos that he had, the fair rodeos um, around our, our home, just an hour or two away at most. And this guy ended up getting a new job and had to give up all of the rodeos because the new job wouldn't allow him the time off. So Deke scrambled and he looked around. He tried finding somebody to get cover all the rodeos that were now open and prior to this we kind of had had a conversation about me maybe trying my hand at a little bit of announcing i i uh, always joke and tell people that i never could stop talking when i was (laughs) speak for him so i always answered a question for him and i always was the first one to give a response to uh, something that was said, even if I had no clue what we were talking about. Heck, today, that's still how I am. I'm I'm not afraid to give a response, even if I don't know what's going on. I'm just happy to be talking to somebody. But I've never met a stranger, and everything else goes hand in hand. And so we kind of knew that talking would be a good way to stay involved with rodeo, and if I do it enough, why not get paid for it? Right rolled around where he had to fill those rodeos he got them all filled but one rodeo in trenton nebraska and we were doing the scheduling for it all he asked if i wanted to go do it i lined up the speakers and sound equipment that i was going to need make that possible and he traveled traveled to trenton nebraska i showed up did my one rodeo and uh, i always laugh because this whole COVID-19 deal, corona uh, regulations that they tell people limiting capacities, you can only have X number of fans in the stands or whatever else it may be. Uh, I always laugh and joke and say that the first rodeo I did was exercising that six or seven years ago already. And uh, there's 12 people in the stands, and I happen to know six of them. So, in reality, I was only announcing to six strangers that I'd never met before. 
was announcing to six of our uh, family friends at this one little rodeo. So I, I think still to this day, I would tell you that that one rodeo with 12 people, even if even if we could do the same thing over again today with the experience that I have under my belt, I would be more that rodeo with those 12 people in the stands than I would be to go do a show with five, six, ten thousand people uh, anywhere I've never been before. It was just, it really, it really, uh, I, I guess, humbled me from an early age to know that this is the type of crowd you could announce to, but you got to give the same show for 12 people as you do 12,000 people. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it was just a, a weird, weird start to it all. And, and, and that was kind of the beginning of it, that field and that, area of rodeo and since then it's snowballed and and rolled into something that i never would have imagined and dreamed of six years ago if you would have told me when i was starting that i was going to get the chance to go announce in 18 different states by the time i was 21 i'd probably have laughed in your face and and said you were crazy or or tell if you would have told me that i was going to get to help work the since time event championship and junior Ironman championship at the Lazy E Arena uh, six years ago, I would have asked. Well, first off, I would have asked, "What is that?" Because I really <laughs> didn't know. And then today, or then then after that, would have been um, another laugh in your face moment because there'd just be no way. But uh, it's been a very blessing and disguise type of experience for me to pick up announcing as a career, just because. I had people back me and believe in me and, and know that I'd be good at it, even when I didn't even know it myself. Have you been back to the Trenton show since the last time you announced it? Um, no. So, sadly, that rodeo quit producing events uh, about four years ago, I want to say. Maybe, yeah, it was about four years ago, actually. They quit having it, and I got to do the last one that they ever had. Uh, they just couldn't find the funds. It's a small little community, like I said. Uh, with with 12 people being in the stands that first night, I don't think it was because they were scared that the announcer was going to be bad. I think it was just a, a small, uh, small, small community that wanted to have a rodeo, just didn't really have enough backing to continue mm-hmm. it on for several years. The one thing that I have been able to do, though, is I – go to McCook, Nebraska, which is 35 minutes or so east of Trenton. So a lot of the same people that I, I know from the area would have been at Trenton or, or Trenton would have come to McCook. But I've had the chance to go to McCook for the last three years now. and It's kind of like getting back to the roots and, and going back to the beginning of it all. But it's still a little different, obviously. It's nice to be able to do some of those small town rodeos back close to where it all began. You said it was, a, it was in the beginning, you, you felt like it was going to be a one and done. Um, what, what event took place to make sure that it wasn't just a one and done? What led to your second show? Um, well, the joking answer would be uh, that Deke knew he finally had somebody that would do events really, 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 really cheap. <laughs> and so I think he used me a little bit more there just because he knew he had somebody that would do events 
really, 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 really cheap. And that was uh, also, obviously just inexperience and inability to charge what other guys do. And the real answer just was that I, it was truthfully after that first rodeo, after after Trenton's rodeo, I I knew that it wasn't the most blown out greatest show that people had ever heard because I, I was nervous. I mean, more nervous than a mouse and a cat den. I just was shaking the entire time and had by myself on an iPad. I didn't even a sports sound pro or a computer when I first started out, just did it from my iPad that I also used for my schoolwork at the time. So I was doing a lot of doubling up on equipment, but after that first time, I knew that I wanted to do better a second time around. And and it w- wasn't necessarily, I guess, a career-setting moment for me or a, a, a epiphany, if you will, that this is what I wanted to do. I just knew that I wanted to do another one at that time. It probably wasn't until... It probably wasn't until... I got to do the Oklahoma High School State Finals. Uh, I think it was three years ago when I first did it. Uh, when I got to do the Oklahoma High School State Finals, uh, that was kind of one of those, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to try and make a career out of this type moment. Uh, before then, I'd done the Junior High Finals in Kansas, and it was it went pretty good. Um, but for some reason, that Oklahoma High School Finals just kind of sticks out in my head that it was a great weekend. Um, I, I ended up having pretty good success with uh, music production and, and and the production overall and, and made me really want to have this be my for sure career. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that I got the finals was because I also moved down to Oklahoma to start going to college and being in this area and being um, surrounded by some of the people that I were in the rodeo industry, it kind of lit up in my head that, hey, I've got the contacts. I've got the the rodeo count now to really start thinking of it as a full-time job. And, and I've got uh, some more experience under my belt that is going to allow me to do some jobs that I never had before. And and uh, I just, I think that was a, a turning point where I really started to go at it a little bit harder and, and take um, some more chances at some rodeos and and uh, then like I said it was just it, it's just been blessings it's been it's God's work in person for me to to be able to have some of the things fall into my lap that have well I think uh, anyone that's ever had the pleasure of seeing you work knows that uh, whatever hard lessons you might have learned in Trenton that you you definitely apply those lessons to your everyday life and your work because you are one heck of an announcer. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> um, what would you uh, – another thing we want to do with this podcast, again, that's if it takes off and goes anywhere, uh, we also right. want to kind of use it for somewhat educational purposes. Um, you being a, a Southwest Kansas kid going to Oklahoma State, correct? Yes, sir. Did, did you just put your pistols up when I said that? Like it might uh don't try <laughs> well, I'm wearing y'all learn that shirt right now, so I was feeling a little orange power. Well, I just uh I heard a good joke a while back about how 
you know, if you take freshman orientation at Oklahoma State, it transfers to Tech and vice versa because all you've got to learn is put your pistols up. And I thought, man, I can I can make a lot of people mad with that joke, and I probably have to the 12 people that may listen to this. But, you know. I, I, I had never heard that before, but that's so daggone true that I, you can't do anything but help but laugh at it. And matter of fact, it's so true that I may steal that and use that this weekend at my Perry, Oklahoma rodeo just to say it and see if people get a kick out of it. Because anybody that I'm, thinks that we're making – I mean, it's true. They they can't deny the fact that that would be a little bit true. It, I mean, it's just an observation we've had for years. Um, I've joked with my tech friends about it, and I've joked with my Oklahoma State friends about it, and they get a little mad. They get a little butt hurt. Yeah. But then you say them. I mean, it, it it will always be fun just to yell, go pokes in a crowd and see what happens, or wreck them. And I guarantee you somebody yeah. somewhere sporting finger pistols. Yep. Yeah. It just oh, yeah. comes with the territory. Along the same lines, every time I hear uh, DJ Khaled's All I Do Is Win, uh, the, the thing at Oklahoma State football games is every time it says uh, All I Do Is Win, and then it that pause in the song we hear we hear at our games we always follow it up with OSU and we do the the hand signals or hand motions for OSU and everything so any any rodeo I go to whether it's one I'm working or I'm just watching and if that song's played and that part comes up I usually do the OSU and I'm the only one in my group of friends or around the, the crowd that does it and I get a bunch of funny looks but I just think it's kind of fun to do just because. That's an Oklahoma State tradition. Well, in in the first interview we did for this podcast, we were talking to a, a ranch bronc rider and the difficulties transitioning between bulls, ranch bronc, saddle bronc, whatever, and, and we were discussing muscle memory and a little bit of roping. And so if if you ever have kind of a, a mental glitch and you do it and you lose your mic or your notes or whatever, you can just blame it on muscle memory. <laughs> True. There you go. I mean, I don't know if the crowd's going to buy into it or not. They may they may motion for paramedics to have you checked out, make sure everything's copacetic, but you never know. You never know. It, it sounds good, though, and might as well try it. Yeah, you know, you, baptism by fire, as you said. We're going to take another quick break here before we get back at it with one of the proudest pokes we know, Mr. Garrison Panzer. Into your time down in uh, Stillwater, 
you you are a proud folk as anyone who has ever encountered you in real life or or follows you on social media knows you um you and pistol pete are bros through and through what exactly did yeah. you study during your time at oklahoma state uh yeah it's it's funny that i ended up being um, an oklahoma state cowboy and i'll throw out this little shameless family plug because I'm very, very proud of of my younger brother and what he's um, fixing to do with his life in the next few months. But he he was actually the original Oklahoma State fan in the family. We grew up being diehard K-State fans. We grew up, uh, or at least I grew up, bleeding purple, Emaw Nation, the whole nine yards. Emaw. And he, he, yeah, Emaw. And we still are. We were still good. We're still good fans of the, the school up in Manhattan. And, and my grandma and my aunt both graduated from there. Several of other of our family members have as well. Hadley just wanted to be different. My younger brother just wanted to be a little bit different. So he was an Oklahoma State fan. I was K-State. Well, my my senior year of high school, went on a college visit, stepped on foot here or stepped on campus here and knew I just needed to go to school here. And after I graduated high school, I began to pursue a college or excuse me, a an ag business degree here at college uh, through the department of uh, Kasner, which is now the Ferguson College of Agriculture in Stillwater. But it's funny that I ended up graduating from Oklahoma State going down here in the first place because I was a case fan. Well, the story gets even better. My younger brother, Hadley, who was an Oklahoma State fan, is now going to be attending Kansas State University to play football for them. So, it's weird how things work out in this, this world and this life we live, but he uh, he's going to go play foot, football for them, and I'm an Oklahoma State University alum now. So it's not always what you think it's going to be when it when you start the story. Well, I, I mean, you you've still got orange and purple that just kind of flip flopped a little bit. Exactly. <laughs> And, and we're not going to get into football because uh, we've one of our missions in this uh, was to not get too political, which is extremely yeah. difficult to do given our current right. cultural climate. And uh, this time of year, a very quick way to get very political is talk college football, and mm-hmm. uh, we won't get into it. But I, I will give Oklahoma State credit if. They could find a way to put Mike Gundy's hairdo on more people. I think the world would be a better place, and that's just yeah. my personal opinion. Don't I'm sure not. I, I may I just be disagree. jealous. I just, that hair is just oh, it's it's magical. It's, it, it is magical. There's isn't just, it? There's just, I've always wanted I, I to just go ahead. No, I was gonna say I don't think there's any other college team. Or, or professional team for that matter, that has merchandise solely dedicated to your coach's hair. I've got one for you. Imagine somebody rocking Gundy's hairdo with Andy Reid's mustache. Oh, yes. That would be the power match, the power duo that could not be stopped. <laughs> I mean, that would be the coachiest of all coaches for any sport. Yeah. I mean, you. You you could be day one. Yeah, is day one, you know nothing about water polo, and that guy comes walking around the corner, 
and a USA Speedo sporting a Gundy mullet and Andy Reid stash, just immediately you would know everything you needed to know to be the most proficient polo player ever. <laughs> yeah, the walking encyclopedia of the sport that you just gaze upon and receive That's just the uh, knowledge that you're needing. <laughs> Like, you know, that guy is the coach that wears those coaching shorts, even if there's two foot of snow on the ground. Oh, yes. Yeah. Coach those those are the best. Got the, got the, <laughs> well, I, I can't say that I own a pair, but I'll just take your word for it. Uh, well, let's back up. When I say those are the best, I mean, as far as humor goes, um, oh, growing up, okay. going I through college. about wearing them personally. I, I, I wasn't going to judge or anything. I just, I, I didn't know what you meant. No, I've, I've never understood, and, and what's funny is if you do a little Googling, which can be very dangerous nowadays, a lot of those coaching right. shorts, in my mind, were very similar to the old double-knit polyester Wrangler, I call them suit pants, dress-up pants. Some guys worked in them. A lot of guys rodeoed in them. But uh, it's just it's always cracked me up over the years if you take and and kind of visualize or think about the two, and it's like, Coach's shorts are just cut off Wrangler dress pants. Yeah, I can see. I see that now. And I just, I don't know. I don't know how any of my coaches ever doing it growing up. I, I just, I never understood it. It's like everyone knows the exact dollar amount of change in your pockets and can read what brand of chew is in your other pocket. They're so tight. Can you please go put on some wind pants or sweatpants? But you please do that. Yeah. So you say at Oklahoma State you uh you did ag business. Is is that the direction you wanted to head before your announcing career took off? Um no. <laughs> no. Matter of <laughs> fact, I I for the longest time I actually wanted to be a veterinarian and that was prior to the announcing deal. Uh so I'll make a short story long again because I seem to have a habit of doing so. When I, quote, unquote, got the call to do that very first rodeo in Trenton, Nebraska. Uh, you do know summer, both of us are going to catch so much crap over that. <laughs> I mean, I'm good with it. I'm just I'm just saying. I can rephrase it if you'd like. We can go back and edit that. Oh, no, no, no. I, that's uh, the the biggest driving force behind us doing this podcast deal is that we're kind of throwing format out the window. Um, it's it's kind of like the steering an old ranch pickup. We're going to aim that direction. If we get across the cattle guard, great. If we have to fix a fence, it's okay. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's too good. So you were get, you initially wanted to be a vet. I initially did. Yeah. And so that summer, uh, before my junior year of high school, I was working for our local veterinary. I was I was out there just being basically hired help, do whatever he needed me to do. Matter of fact, that summer we did a lot of concrete pouring. He started a pig <laughs> operation, and, and we had to pour some concrete slabs to put feeders on, and then we had to go trench along the fence lines and pour about a foot and a half of concrete down into there so they wouldn't dig underneath, and did did a lot of that. And, I got to see a lot of things behind the scenes at the vet clinic and whatnot that uh, your typical help might not get to just because he, you know, had me do quite a bit with him. And I 
decided early on that summer that there was a lot more to it that uh, I didn't really want to do if I was ever going to become a vet. And and it was stuff that he, he did as his own personal ventures and businesses aside from the vet business. But I also just didn't want to be on call 24-7, you know, at an early age. I wanted to have a little bit more freedom. I, I didn't want to have to be tied to that one spot for six days of the week, 24 hours a day, waiting on a phone call or having to work, do something like that. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do after that point, but I just knew that being a vet really wasn't what I was leaning towards anymore. And then the rodeo scene picked up and got that rodeo in Trenton. More and more started falling into my lap, and then it came time to decide what I was going to go to school for. Well, I didn't know what I was going to go to school for because – I had kind of banked on being a vet for so long that now I didn't really think of anything else. So I picked the most basic and generic degree aside from ag education, I think, or ag com, one of the two, but uh, one of the most three basic generic degrees that a person could get, I think, ag business, I went with that. And uh, When I first came to visit school here at Oklahoma State, I went to the Kasner building, uh, main ag hall, and we talked with a student liaison at, and then one of the uh, recruiting reps for the College of Ag, and they kind of laid, laid it all out for us and explained things that made me feel like it was going to be a good place to go to school, get an education, make some friends, and everything else that goes along with it. And I picked Ag Business just because I thought it was basic and, and easy. Turns out, for those of you that don't know, when somebody says business degree, that usually involves a lot of math and a lot of numbers. And I don't know what I was thinking when I first picked this, but I was not thinking that it involved a lot of math and a lot of numbers. I was thinking business side of negotiating deals, working contracts, everything in that aspect of the job. But turns out that there's a few uh, courses on this credit list that you have to achieve that required a lot of calculations and for me it resulted in a lot of sleepless nights and hair pulling moments because I could not figure out the daggone math. But uh, obviously you got something figured out. Well I did. I uh, finally did. I I managed to get uh, managed to get the degree figured out. I just uh, the math side of things I I am not cut out to be a math teacher uh, by any means. I am, There's a reason I talk a lot. There's a reason that I don't have a problem <laughs> going and writing a paper or, or sitting down and chatting with people. I'm working numbers for hours upon hours, um, I, I don't know. I, I just as soon uh, go to the I, I don't, I'm not even gonna go there. I, I just soon do something way different than, than sit down and work some some math numbers out, uh, even on a piece you, of paper or something. But you'd rather go the, build uh, fence and balance the checkbook. Amen. I really would. I'd ra- and I'd rather go do it the hard way, pound the, every single post myself, string every wire. I, I would rather go build fence than than manage finances or or talk turkey when it comes to to that uh, side of the business things because it just is not my friend. Hey, to uh, to each their own. 
Uh, I mean, at least yeah. uh, at least you were honest with yourself. There's, uh, it seems to be a, a trend nowadays, especially of uh, a lot of folks that go to college, go through college, get a degree, and they don't know what to do with it. They don't know why they got it, et cetera. Uh, at least you had some good, solid thinking behind your your college career path, so to speak. And and the good thing, you're exactly right. The business degree that I have, even though, and so I guess I'll jump ahead in my life story right now and what I've been doing. I recently took a job working at the Lazy E Arena down in Guthrie. During the week, I come on or I come in and help them build the arenas or, or the setups for the events that, that are going to be happening next, um, mm-hmm. whether it be rodeos, um, team ropings, team pinnings and sortings, barrel races. Uh, I think we've got a dog show coming up in a couple weeks that I really don't know what we're going to do for that other than maybe pack the arena floor. But anyways, we we got to do different various things there. But I picked up that job, plus I help out up in the office a little bit uh, with some of their um, office administration for events just because I had a little bit of experience with that during the Cinch Time Event Championships this year. But that job plus the announcing and music directing job both do not require a college degree. I work both of those jobs to pay for my college degree. So it's kind of funny that I ended up picking up that, that second one and and doing it all just to have this pretty piece of paper hanging on the wall in my bedroom. But I also know that if another pandemic happens, if uh, we see a decline in rodeos as we did this year, and I get out of a job basically, then fortunately I do have a college education that I can go apply to just about anything in the world with it being an ag business degree. And that was the thought process behind taking uh, four years out of my life to get that degree and have something to fall back on more or less. And it's not necessarily a safety blanket or a safety net to keep me reserved about taking some chances, but it's definitely something that I know I have in the bag if it all goes south in a hurry. Well, hopefully you don't have to reach back there and pull it out uh, and the world will return back to normal soon. But like you said, it's nice to have just in case you ever need it. Right. It's it's the whole thing of it's better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. I think it really applies to this. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. You say you're keeping busy with uh, the Lazy E folks down there in Guthrie. Um, You were doing the ag business thing as your rodeo announcing career took off and it's a good fit for you, it feels right, you are jam up at it. What do you, where do you think you would have went had you not taken off with the announcing deal? Hmm. That's, that's something I'd have never really thought about. <laughs> well, that's what we like to do here. We, we, we like to, to put me on the hard hitting question. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like we're on a, a, a sixty minutes interview or something right there. A question like that? No, we're um, not going to do sixty minutes. That that's definitely one thing we're we're gunning for with this podcast <laughs> venture. We're 
we're not doing the two or three hour long deals. Like if you can't, yeah. if you can't grab a part of our episode or a whole episode on kind of a trip to town or to go rope or whatever, it's, it's too much. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree. There's some out there that are a little bit long. Matter of fact, uh, we were driving up to Valentine this weekend, me and my girlfriend were, and she wanted to listen to a podcast uh, that Emily Miller was going to be on. And the podcast was, I don't know, like an hour and 45 minutes long. And I just kind of vetoed that decision and said, you can listen to it, you know, in parts on the way to work or something else. (laughs) Right now we're going to do something different. You just said, you know what, honey, that's fine. But for every minute that podcast plays, you're driving. Exactly. I should have. So you can listen as long as you drive. Yeah, you could have got you a little two-hour nap in. Oh man, see, why why did we not have this conversation prior to? I really could have taken advantage of that. Well, because honestly, prior to your trip to go to the Nebraska State Finals, we still weren't sure if we were going to do the podcast or not. So, <laughs> and that's and that's still a decision that's up in the air. To be quite honest with you, yeah. well, as we're on the phone right now, we're we're getting notifications and stuff from people listening to it and reacting to it, and it's kind of a oh, huh? Well, this is awkward. That didn't actually think this horse was going to walk. So now, now we've got to saddle this thing and ride it, and we're not really sure how. So uh, I tell you, we can just skip over the where would Garrison be if it wasn't for rodeo. And I, I mean, I have no problem answering. I just I had never really thought about that. To be honest with you. Well, you, I mean that's that's an answer into itself is that you know you just really haven't given it much thought i i mean i yeah i guess i can make it a a semi-cliche answer or semi-sappy one and tell you that i've never really gave it any thought because that's just what i i knew i i didn't have the backup plan i know i just got done talking about my ag business degree and whatnot but even even with the ag business degree i had no dreams or aspirations of going to work for a bank or going to work at an insurance company or a stockbroker or anything of the sorts, you know, maybe sales. If, if announcing didn't work out, I guess maybe a sales job somewhere. Um, but I, I've always just been immersed in the rodeo world, whether it be the, being the announcer to rodeo, the music director, helping produce it. Um, I even, figured that I'd pick up more judging. I, I don't know. I never really considered life outside of rodeo. And you would have thought that that's something that I would have done this year of all years. But I just, I, I really didn't think about it because I didn't want to believe that it was a possibility, I guess. Mm-hmm. The, the power of positive thinking. Yes, sir. Well, let, let's do a little devil's advocate here. You say that maybe possibly you would have ended up on the sell side. Um, you obviously have the gift of gab. You are a professional announcer that you get paid to talk. That's a sweet gig that I, I would take that gig, probably fumble it. Yeah. Nevertheless, very sweet gig. Give us your best sales pitch for recruiting someone into your chosen career path. For a rodeo announcing career, you mean? Um, yes, sir. My best sales pitch is the feeling 
that you get, the feeling that you get when you get to look out upon the crowd and you see the faces of, of all the people that have chosen to spend their evening at that event, whether it be a team rope in a barrel race or rodeo, uh, whatever it is, when you see them react to what's happening in the arena, the good, the bad, the in-between, when you kind of get to be the person that controls the emotions that are flowing that night, um, that that right there is reward in itself. Plus, and I mentioned this earlier on in the podcast, I'll say it here now, when, when you talk a lot, if you enjoy talking to people, if you enjoy going out and just sitting down and chatting like we're doing right now or back at the trailers after a rodeo or at home on the phone whenever you're just bored and killing some time, if you enjoy talking, then why not put that skill and that ability to work for you and get paid for it? And that's what I enjoy doing with announcing, and I know other people do as well. And, and you get to talk to the people. That's one, le- one lesson that you learn early on in this business is you talk to the people or talk with the people, I mean, not to them or not at them, and having a conversation. When you get to show up and have a conversation with the fans, and explain to them the significance of this ride or this run, explain to them why it's so important that this happens in a specific way, and hear them react accordingly, um, you you get a feeling that's just literally second to none. I, I think anybody that uh, has ever dreamed of maybe trying it should go out and, and attempt it at least once. If you've got a local jackpot, a local team roping, a local play date, go and go and go and experience it go go see for yourself what it's like to actually put that microphone in your hand and be the entertainer for the people that are there watching you never know what you're going to like if you don't try it and i think uh anybody that like i said willing to talk to and meet a stranger then it's a job that can be well suited for you well and, and one thing we'd like to emphasize uh on this episode is that your role, the the clown guys, specialty acts, your music guys, what that, that group, that bundle of guys do during a show can not be appreciated, applauded, explained enough to the spectators in those arena seats that have spent their money and spending their time with, with everyone that's involved in that perf that night, uh, it's difficult to explain just how important what everything you guys do, every split second decision, uh, all the technical stuff behind it, how important it is to that crowd. Because if they're not in it or they don't know what's going on or there's a glitch or whatever, you feel the mood just dialed down. So um, one of the, so, one of the ways that, I, I'll, I'll bring this all full circle, basically, from everything we've kind of talked about before and up until now was I, I wanted to be a rodeo judge from an early age. That's what I thought I wanted to do. Now I have mm-hmm. to be an announcer. Well, because I wanted to be a rodeo judge, I learned all of the rules. I know the rule books back and forth. You know, I, I'm very well versed in them just because that's what I picked up doing at an early age because that's what I thought I wanted to do for a career. And as an announcer, being the guy that has – the microphone literally has the talking stick in the circle for the entire two and a half hour rodeo that we watch. One of the things that I pride myself on doing, and I hope that I do 
um, a good enough job for people is, is explaining the rules, being being a little bit more technical than some other announcers may be because you never know when it's somebody's first rodeo. And I want everybody there to think that they are getting the best instruction, the best knowledge, the best background information possible on what's happening, whether it be why it was a no time in an event or maybe it's because they want to know um, where the contestants maybe made a, a split-second decision in the heat of the battle and it worked out in their favor. I can kind of explain some of those rules a little bit better, and that's what I try to do with, with my job at least, and, and whenever I go do a rodeo, is, is make sure people leave informed. Yes, it's an entertainment factor. Yes, you show up to have a good time and, and watch a show, but I also want them to be informed and know that rodeo is more than just pure dumb luck. Uh, there's a lot of pure dumb luck to it, don't get me wrong, but there's a lot of technical stuff to it as well. And being a contestant, being the son of a, a rodeo judge and the grandson of a rodeo judge, um, that's kind of where I take my knowledge and apply it to with being an announcer is, is explaining the technical side of it all. And, and like you said, you know, every, every moment of that rodeo, those people paid money to be there, to be entertained, to have a good time. So every moment of that rodeo, what I say, how I say it, um, what I'm talking about is basically determining whether they're going to enjoy themselves. So it, it takes a lot of, of pure dumb luck, yes, but it also takes a little bit of preparation prior to and, and just experience of knowing what's going to work and what's not going to work. Well, and, and not to mention the, you know, you're you're not only working for the spectators. You're you're also going to work for the contestants, for the stock contractors, for the venue, for the committee. You're you are a very important man um, during that performance. Well, before the performance, after the performance, all encompassing. So um, it it is uh it's not a title to be taken lightly, and you you do an excellent job of it. Well, and your your sales pitch earlier, uh, you know, I, I'm thinking maybe we launched the first ever Garrison Professional Pistol Pete announcing school. We've already got a clip we can use for the sales pitch. Um, the hand motions probably would be Freshman 101. We're going to take one last break before we uh, get back at it with Mr. Garrison Panzer and uh, talk about punching things. Garrison, mm -hmm. we uh, definitely appreciate you taking time out of your uh, your busy schedule 
Uh, like you said earlier, it has been an awkward and, and weird year. And sadly, I don't think we've seen the, the end of the weirdness or the awkwardness or no. the last minute changes or anything like that. Um, that, that really hurts to say out loud, but it's kind of the truth. Um, it is another, and, and I'll go ahead. No, you go ahead. You're, I was just going to jump on it and, and say that, you know, yeah, I agree completely. We haven't seen a lot of, but I, I was going to commend you. And, uh, we've talked a little bit about how you guys don't know if this is something you're going to do or not do, but I, I, I do think, and I thought this from an early point about this going on, that uh, the more we talk about normal life, or more we talk about what world versus all the negatives and the bad stuff of it all, like just sitting and, and talking today. I, I think conversations like this, when we don't necessarily have to hash and rehash and discuss those those political issues or mm-hmm. the global issues that we face, you know, I, I think if more people were willing to just do stuff like this, then I, the world would be back on track a lot sooner than what we think. And, and so I was going to commend you guys. I, I know that the podcast business isn't easy, and, and you guys are um, finding out that the hard way, but uh, I do appreciate you guys, <laughs> including me at least, on, on being a part of just uh, some more normal nonsense that uh, people can maybe relate to a little bit. Well, and that's, that's what we're shooting for. We want something um, – don't really want to call it plain and downplay anything of significance or, or whatever we may do with this, but we um, – like you said, there's there's so many polar opposites in the world today and staunch viewpoints and so-and-so saw this on Facebook, so it's true. Well, so-and-so tweeted that we just wanted to be entertaining, a little educational, um, a little advocation, so to speak, back to what you were saying about you growing up and, and the roots of rodeo being instilled in you at an early age and no one every rule book, not just the rule book, front to back, back to front, and being able to explain stuff to spectators is kind of a um, pet peeve of, of ours and our viewpoint because they're with so much negativity in the world, and I'm sure you've seen it, it just seems like the past few years the, the ag world has taken such a beating when it comes mm-hmm. to misinformation and slander and it's just it's ridiculous it's sad there's no call for it and there has been one positive light in our opinion out of this quote-unquote pandemic uh i think a lot of people since this all started months ago have i don't want to say changed their views or opinions of farmers and ranchers truckers everybody involved in the food supply process but I think a whole lot of people have have a newfound appreciation for just how their food ends up on their dinner table. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, now, I, that's I not completely saying, agree. Being... Yeah, no, that's not saying uh, they're not gullible enough to hear on the radio about how great the new grass-fed burger is. But we're not going to get into that because that could get heated quickly. And we, like I said, we want to be entertaining here. Um, so, I always want to be entertaining and keep it within a certain time parameter. We can go off on a tangent for several well, hours. I'm sure on a lot of that, but I couldn't agree oh, more yeah. on what you said. 
Well, our logic is the, the coffee cup I'm drinking out of, one of my favorite coffee cups. I don't want to get to the point where I throw it through the window because then I got to fix a window and a coffee cup. And yeah. talking the, the whole grass-fed, synthetic, whatever you want to call it, quote-unquote beef, because I refuse to call it beef because it's not beef. It's not meat. It's not. Correct. That's, yeah. <laughs> it's, oh, man. Like, I can, I can feel my blood starting to boil just thinking about when someone calls that beef or meat, I just, oh, makes you want to punch a baby cactus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the sad truth is that there's been a lot of that that's gone on this year, especially, and you're right the last few years, but a lot of that that's gone on that, man, it just, there's there's certain things that'll trigger you that you can feel you start to get tight and anxious about. And, and mm-hmm. I, most of the time when I start discussing stuff like that with people, I, I usually just, you know, put my hand up in the air and wave the feet because it's going to be better for me to say I'm done than continue with the conversation. You you are preaching to the choir, my friend. That is, um, <laughs> like I said, it, the past few years, uh, it's personally been heartbreaking to see the the abuse, so to speak, that the ag world's taken. And so with this pandemic, yeah, I, I like to believe there's been a little bit of an appreciation earned um for for all involved in the in the food supply chain and not just food clothing i mean it's just the the, and you know this from your ag business degree the the world of ag is so encompassing that most people in the world of ag don't even understand how big it is and so a lot of a lot of people in the like you said in the world of ag the business that they're doing they don't understand they may not even know their business is classified as agriculture that's one of the mm-hmm. things I learned this in, in my years at Oklahoma State this past year. Matter of fact, when I just finished my senior year, uh, there's there's several entities out there that do specific jobs that fall under the purview of the USDA or or other um, alphabet companies like that that are uh, are ag related, and and then people want to throw. Um, a little bit of shade at farmers and ranchers, but don't realize that products mm-hmm. that they um, that they love dearly and could not live without, and, and whatever else that that if it weren't for ag, they they just absolutely wouldn't have it. Matter of fact, I I personally believe that anything we have in this world, if it weren't for ag, you wouldn't have. And so um, I, I just that's been one of the cool things about Oklahoma State's education, and I completely agree with this year. Um, people are seeing the light a little bit more on the ag world and I'll tie it back to rodeo too just one more time that uh, with rodeo being the first sport to have um, fan-filled events once again I think it's kind of given a a good voice to the fact that we're not just uh, we're not just a, a secondary sport if you will or or anything else you know there's there's something to be said about the true competition that happens there. And, and, and then it also allows us to educate and like I said, advocate that we do take care of our animal athletes. We are not um, the abusing individuals that some people paint us out to be. So the one, the one good thing, I guess, like I said, to come from all this is the uh, ability to educate more people as to our way of life. And, and hopefully uh, a bit of that opinion will hang around once all of this is, is lifted, done, and, and turns into memes, which is what we're hoping happens. 
that it will not be too long. We can make jokes about the coronavirus, COVID-19, whatever yeah. you want to label it. Um, and that day cannot come soon enough. Like, if it happened well, today, I, that would that'd be great. I mean, I'm already making jokes about it. Some people don't find it as funny as I do, but, yeah, I can't wait for the day that everybody's making jokes about it. Mm-hmm. Well, we uh, appreciate your time. Um, we've ran a little bit longer than, I guess, what we had anticipated. But then again, we're kind of dummies to this and don't have a format. But something we want to do on every show is uh, everybody likes a good old-fashioned war story. And we said yeah. this in our first episode, and it's probably going to become a bit of a disclaimer that we are not responsible for any uh, divorces, breakups, black eyes, <laughs> prenups, anything like that. But that uh-huh, being said, uh-huh. um, you being a professional speaker, as you are, uh, do you care to indulge us with a, with a good war story? Good war story. Are we talking a moment that I just, I, I mean, are we talking moment that I'm not so sure would be a, something that I'd love to repeat or just an exciting experience in, in my career? It, it can be up to you. It can be one of each. Um, like I said, we're, we're trying to play this very loosely, be uh, entertaining and a little educational. So it's up to you. Mm. Up to me, man, dealer's choice. And uh, there's, so there's settled that have happened in the last year that, uh, I know if I, I tell too many people and the word gets out, then uh, my my job may be in danger at several events because they didn't know about it. Um, well, we we don't want to do that. We that, we want to keep. We want to yeah, make no, sure that, you that, stay those, employed. Those are the extreme war stories that. Oh man, that would be scary to tell. I'd love to tell the other people, you know, in a different setting. When hopefully I know they're not recording, but um, well, let's see. The war story that I would tell that I think is best. Um, I don't. I'm. I, I, I. The one that I'm really just the proudest of because I, I, it happened. I don't even know if this is the direction you're wanting to go or not. But the one that I, I love the most was it was two years ago. I guess it would have been yeah two years ago at the uh, Kansas Pro Rodeo Finals um, when Dalton Davis, the bronc rider there, I promised him that if he won. Uh, if he won the saddle bronc riding, we'd do a victory lap on the back of my horse. I told him that if he got it done, we'd do that. And he uh, ended up waiting until the third round to do some good, and he won the round. He jumps on the back of my gray horse, and that horse takes off in a complete different direction from where I was trying to steer him, starts bucking out across the arena, and ends up uh, Dalton ends up jumping off the backside. I lost my microphone, my in-ear system, my hat. I took everything to fall off the horse and uh, I thought everything was all cool and kosher and, and it was fine and come to find out after the rodeo uh, I, I got scolded by a man that I looked up to pretty good because he said that it was the dumbest thing he's ever seen happen from a rodeo announcer he said to me that if uh, <laughs> if I were to get hurt and I were to get carted out of there what would they do next and I just kind of told him that I was doing it for the entertainment. I was just there for the show. It was uh, another uplift moment that I saw in the performance. He said, you got lucky. That's the only thing. Well, better to be lucky than good any day of the week. And that's kind of right. how it all ended up. But it uh, it was 
definitely one of the more wild ride moments that I've had to take in my career. We may have to dig around and see if we can find video of this. I, I believe I have one posted on Facebook somewhere, so I, I don't think you'd have to dig too hard. Well, that uh, that kind of leads us into our, our next little section. Um, speaking of Facebook, how can people get in touch with you, keep in touch with you? Yeah, I, I try to do uh, – I've been trying to do a better job of that. I have Facebook. I have Instagram. Um, if people want to follow on Snapchat, too, that's fine. I usually post quite a bit throughout my weekends on rodeo trips and whatnot. Uh, my Facebook page is just Garrison Panzer hyphen rodeo announcer. Uh, you can go find that. It's my or it's my professional page that you can go like. If you add me as a friend on Facebook, you'll find it from there, too. Uh, my Instagram uh, that I post some stuff on is just Z underscore Panzer. And that one's not so much rodeo related. I really just less post personal pictures and whatnot on there. But I, I've been trying to do a better job of it this year with not having a whole lot to post about. I didn't really do too good on, but uh, I, I'm always a big fan of, of people. If they come to a rodeo and I've never met them, if they message and say, what they liked or didn't like, or I'm always curious to hear what new people have to say. Um, you know, that's the only way that I think you get better at a job is with a little bit of feedback and, and sometimes some uh, heartfelt criticisms that may not seem so heartfelt at the moment, but um, I, I do enjoy hearing people uh, talk about the rodeos and whatnot, and it's not because I want people to tell me that it's a stellar job. I really do want people to come and say, hey, man, I wish we would have heard more of this, or I wish we would have been told this was going on more than you explained this, and I think that's uh, about as close as a rodeo announcer can come to uh, performance feedback uh, on the job that he does. So if people are wanting to follow along, that's where you can go do it at, and um, if not, then you can at least just follow along and like the page for the simple fact that I may have some more crazy pictures and videos to post. Well, and, and but you have to be careful on Instagram because that's how you get wrangled into doing a podcast. And, <laughs> and that just falls out of control. If, if, and, that, and that's also how you get wrangled into being a guest on a podcast episode. If, if I would have just deleted that message, then uh, who knows? <laughs> I mean, it, we probably wouldn't have noticed. We'd have been like, you know what? He's a professional. We're not. We under we understand it. No hard feelings. No, I'm driving. I got that notification. Or I think it was when I was driving. I don't know when I got it. But when I finally found it, I was driving. When I was looking there and saw that, I, I was plum tickled and excited. I, I was um, something that I've been looking forward to since we just talked about it. It's only been a day or two since we talked about it. So I've been well, uh, I've been excited about this, and I'm glad about the opportunity. Well, we appreciate that, and uh, hopefully once we, we get through with the production and whatnot, the, the next time your girlfriend says, hey, let's go on a podcast, you can say, you know what, honey, I got you. Get ready. Yeah, I got you. Here's one to listen to. <laughs> and for every minute that we listen to it, I'll drive. Uh, heck of a deal. That's a fair trade for everybody involved. <laughs> exactly. All right, Garrison, we appreciate it. Uh, we're going to get off here, but real quick, do you, uh, something we want to give everyone we're interviewing and interacting with a chance to do is, is give some thank yous, some shout-outs, some pat on the backs to 
people that have helped you get to where you're at or where you're going to go or sponsors that help you get up and down the road? Is, is there anybody you'd like to say thank you to? Or One of the things I, I've joked about in the past is that everybody that I, I come in contact with through this announcing business, they always say, well, don't forget about me when you get big time. And, and one of the things I've always joked about is by the time I get to where I hope I'm going to go, I'm going to have to buy out the Thomas and Mac one night to give a ticket to everybody that's gotten me to where I am. And then I'll probably have to work the NFR if that's where I end up, but I'll have to work it for the next several years for free just to pay for that one night. But, um, the, the amount of people that have gotten me to where I am, whether it be a, a, a timer that I work one rodeo with or a stock contractor or a committee member or something else, I mean, the list is is extremely endless and long. But the ones that I would say thank you the most to, um, obviously, be my family. They're the ones that believed in me in the first place, and, and that's something that I'd strongly encourage everybody to take a close look at in your lives is, your family members and friends that kind of stand behind you, even if you do something dumb or or if you're trying something new, um, they're the ones that are going to support you along the way or the ones that are going to be there every step of the way, even if it does go south. But uh, my, my mom, my dad, my grandma and grandpa, they, they are the ones that really backed me. And, and matter of fact, my grandfather, he sort of acts as my bank right now for some of the ventures that I try out. So he's, a uh, big influencing factor in it. And then um, I, I think uh, anybody that doesn't uh, give thanks where thanks is due uh, to the big man upstairs, you know, they they uh, aren't, aren't trying too hard to keep their mind in the right place. And, and I have a hard time of doing that. But luckily, uh, you know, there's been some humbling moments in my life and, and God's kind of brought me back on track every step of the way. But uh you know, truly my family, my friends, and, the, and then, you know, my faith is, is really where, uh, is really what's gotten me to where I am today. And um, everything else has kind of just been a giant bonus in that aspect as far as uh, people I've gotten to meet. And, and, um, and just a personal side note and everything is sponsorships and whatnot, too. Those are all great and fine and dandy, but, uh, you know, that money kind of gets run out at some point and, and, uh, so making sure you have that strong backing um, there, I think, is where I uh, really focus a lot of my time on. Cannot argue with you one bit. Very well said. Well, Garrison, we greatly appreciate it. Um, it, uh, without a doubt, is the most professional interview we've done thus far, um, mostly because you carried it, because you were great at what you do. Well, I... I have this bad habit of not being able to stop talking whenever I get to talking. So I appreciate you just letting me roll with it. How, how do you feel about the Garrison Panzer podcast? Huh? Oh, oh, man. I, well, we were just talking about time limits, and I believe that there needs to be time limits on it. I think I'd you know, eat up all of the bandwidth and the space that every podcast app would have and, and – I don't know. I <laughs> I'd, I'd have to do a lot more thinking on that than what you guys might might have uh, done here recently. That's odd that you are assuming we've done any thinking in this project. Okay, I was giving you the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> well, that, that's all we're going to get today. Well, Garrison, we appreciate it, man. It it has been a pleasure. Um, hopefully, we don't 
bring your reputation um, or your profession down too much with this. Um, again, it's just it's been a straight pleasure talking to you, man, and we greatly appreciate it. And uh, we we plan on hopefully praying, fingers crossed, this goes somewhere. Um, and if or when it does, we would love to have you back. I, I thanks for be glad to do that. I can't wait to uh, be able to go share this and, and give people a chance to uh, get an inside track look at this all. And then, uh, you know, too, I'd be glad to get more people to go give your guys' pages a like and follow along and whatnot. I know I always enjoy the uh, content that you guys post. So hopefully uh, this helps both of us out a little bit, and then uh, I'll, I'll keep my fingers crossed that it does go somewhere just so we can get a chance to sit down and talk some more some somewhere on down the road. Well, man, we, we sure do appreciate it. And uh, if you use what we said earlier about the pistols, um, we'll come up with a clever address they can send the hate mail to, but not to us <laughs> and not to you. Maybe somebody in love. Uh, maybe, maybe that's where there we you need go. to go. Send somebody like I was afraid you were going at the direction of you were going to send me the address of where I can send the royalty checks to for using your material. But if we're talking hate mail, yeah, let's find somewhere down there to send it to. No, you you can just buy me a hot dog or something. We're we're not fancy with the professional sponsorships and royalties and and all that good stuff. We're, again, with the saddle or something, we're going to ride it and see how far it gets. Well, with the year that I've had and whatnot, the uh, the hot dog may be the biggest thing that I would be able to buy you. So I'll I'll hold you to it, and we'll just roll from there. All right, Garrison. We appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. All them dudes been looking at me, wondering what I have to do to wind up on this bar stool next to you. Well, that's it for today's episode of the podcast. Hope you all enjoyed what we talked about with Mr. Garrison Panzer and hope you come back for more. You got me right.